Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helvig. So excited. We have Francesca Ramsey on today's episode. I absolutely adore her. I've known her for years, going way, 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 way back to the early, early era of YouTube. She is a producer, a writer, an actress, a longtime content creator on the digital YouTubes, etc. of the world. Uh, we talk all about uh, going to a performing arts school in Florida, uh, getting a job at Ann Taylor in design afterwards, moving on to YouTube when her viral video, Shit White Girl Say to Black Girls, blew up in 2012, MTV's Decoded, moving on from that to writing on the Oscars and producing and writing on the iCarly reboot. We talk about what it's like to handle uh, hate uh, in a healthy way online and she's got the most beautiful apartment that she has been designing painting and doing the most gorgeous stuff with if you follow her on tiktok and instagram which you should it's all chronicled there we talk about all of it uh and we could talk about so much more she's got such incredibly wise advice for anyone getting into entertainment anyone that's looking to handle their anxiety and stress in a creative field uh she's just the best so please enjoy this episode of not too deep with francesca ramsey Hey, Francesca, I, hi. hi, I am so excited to talk to you. Um, um, I am just so inspired constantly by everything <laughs> that you are doing that I might not even know that you're doing. Um, <laughs> but I like to start off, and I know this puts people on the spot a little bit, um, with a question of just for someone like you that is truly like an artist all around, mm-hmm. how do you describe what you do to someone that may have never met you or been introduced to any of the work that you've done? Yeah, uh, I try, I, I prefer a very straightforward approach. I just usually say I'm a TV writer and sometimes I'm an actress and sometimes <laughs> I'm a producer. <laughs> it does depend on the audience, I guess, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't say, I'm not like, oh, I also paint my apartment on Instagram. Like, I don't say any of that well, other stuff. I, was I just gonna go say, like, oh. Have you, I was going to say, you should add interior designer and graphic <laughs> designer to all of it because I'm obsessed with all of it. <laughs> but Thanks. Yeah. We're going to get to that. I want to mm-hmm. kind of start back at the beginning. Um on how you ended up where you've ended up. I know Mm. in doing a bunch of research and also knowing you that uh, you attended a performing arts high school. Yes. Which I'm, I'm fat. If you could give me like a log line of what that is like. Yeah. I (laughs) mean, if you've seen the movie Fame, it is a lot (laughs) like that. It's a lot of people (laughs) singing and dancing in the hallways. Truly. I don't. I don't know how I or anyone put up with me at that time. I was a textbook theater kid. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was pretty fantastic. I went there for middle and high school. And um, it was very competitive. You had to audition in order to get in. And you had to audition every quarter to stay in. Wow. Um, And you had to keep your grades up. And it was it was pretty artsy fartsy. But it really I think it completely shaped who I am today. So I, I am so glad I went there. It also, I mean, just the idea that you have to re-audition and re-audition to be uh, part of it. Yeah, feels they were like, serious. It feels I mean, like it, prep it, for Hollywood, for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, on the smallest level, in hindsight, yeah. we would get so worked up about shows and 
and auditions and stuff. And now like actually working in this industry, I'm like, most of us were not prepared to cut it. If you are in a group of like 50 kids and you're upset you didn't get cast, like I got news for you. (laughs) You're going to get into this business and be very depressed. (laughs) It's only going to get worse. Get ready. Uh, But from, okay. So from there, you uh, study graphic design. Mm -hmm. And you started working. Well, also at that time, you started your own website. Like this is yeah. in the ni- in the '90s. Yeah. So I actually had a website in middle school. I went to I went <sighs> I went to computer camp one summer. Yeah. And um, one of the girls, there was a bunch of boys and myself and one other girl. There was maybe like fifteen of us. Okay. And she had a website, and I just thought like this is the coolest thing ever, and I yeah. really wanted to learn. So I like downloaded all the source code from her website and just kind of was like copying and pasting, like, what does this line do? What does this line do? Mm-hmm. Um, and learned HTML that way. And so, yeah, I had a website all through middle high school and college. Um, wow. I initially went to school for acting and then left and studied graphic design, um, worked for a, a bunch of places, like mostly fashion mm-hmm. um, and was making YouTube videos at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, I mean, the way it reads online of your bio is that you were working for a company like Ann Taylor, um, which seems very mm-hmm. um, insane. I don't even know exactly what Ann Taylor does. But oh, uh, listen, <laughs> lots of really nice dress pants. You know, if you are <laughs> a young, stylish profes- professional, if you need a statement necklace, uh, if you need, um, they also, I, I know that you're yes. tall as well. So it's, you know, it's hard for us to find yes. pants. They make long pants. They make petites. They're very size <laughs> inclusive. I don't still work there, but I stand on Taylor. I, I loved my time I feel there. like <laughs> I found New York and Company at the same time, which was same it was like yes, a, same vibe. a very young person thinking that they were like a 45 year old like head of a publishing <laughs> company kind of aesthetic <laughs> yes you always look like you're running late to a meeting yes, or something yes, yes but so okay so you're you're working in this graphic design kind of environment but you're also making youtube videos mm-hmm. and then you have shit white girls say to black girls that goes kind of viral in 2012 and is that the catalyst Mm -hmm. for you to kind of pivot yeah i mean i i had no i mean i wanted to act um but it just wasn't happening for me and especially because i had such long hours working at ann taylor um i just i couldn't go on auditions and i was doing a little bit of stand-up but again my nights were late yeah. and I lived all the way out in Queens. So it was just hard. And there was no Uber at that yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was really hard for me to pursue that. So YouTube was kind of my um, creative performance outlet. And then when Shit White Girls Say went viral, um, I got all these inquiries from agents and I decided, like, if I'm going to go for it, I might as well just go for it. So I, I quit my job. And then what happens after that? Uh, I went on a lot of auditions for things that I didn't book. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a lot of auditions. Um, I pitched a television show that did not end up getting sold. But one of the places I pitched to is MTV. Mm. um, And we decided to like redevelop the series, which then became MTV Decoded, which I did for five years, maybe six. 
Um, and that led me to a job on the nightly show. And so that really opened like a lot of doors for me as a writer performer. And uh, for people that don't know what decoded is, because I do feel like it, it's not ahead of its time, but it was, <sighs> I, I feel like I got kind of buried under yeah. a lot of other content at the time yeah. and is, is so like it's just timeless now thank you how uh, for people that don't know how sure. do you describe it sure mtv dakota was a web series that explored the intersection of race and pop culture through vlogs and sketches uh and we eventually expanded to not just talk about race but to talk about identity of all kinds uh like lgbtq issues and gender and sexuality um so yeah we uh, we talked about ability and mental health um so yeah it was it was pretty cool i'm i'm flattered to hear you say that it was ahead of its time because now i feel like social justice rightfully so is such a big topic on the internet yeah. and when i was doing it people were like shut up die well that i know and that's i feel like and this is what i'm curious to talk to you about is that you're doing this stuff that is so, you know, progress, not progressive, but just like, you know, necessary and real. And it's before people wanted to have these kind of conversations mm -hmm. or to, to hear anything. And so you're seen in a certain or put in a certain category. Yeah. And I, I saw you over the last like, couple of years, like reposting old episodes of Decoded and it, my dumbass like was like is this a new thing that she just made and then i'm realizing oh no this is from fucking five years ago yeah, it's wild wild yeah i mean it's one of those things where that was a conscientious choice that we made on the show to do evergreen topics and to not yeah. talk about like the news of the day um yeah. because you know every like something happens in the news and everybody's talking about it and so we really felt like if we stayed in our own lane and and try to dissect topics that um, were things that are in the zeitgeist yeah. and they will have reshareability and they'll be timeless. So we have a ton of episodes about different holidays, um, different words that people might not understand. Um, and any, every single day something happens where I think, Oh, we have a decoded episode about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 I'm so glad that I did it. I did feel at the time, and that's been a big part of my most recent career pivot that, I kind of got boxed in yeah. and that people didn't know that I was a comedian, didn't know that I was an actress, mm -hmm. um, didn't know that I was a writer. People thought I just got hired for that job and I actually created the show. Sure. Um, so I'm so glad that I did it, but I don't want to do edu educational content for the rest of my life. So that was one chapter and I'm, I'm glad to have moved on to the next thing. I that's what I kind of in looking at the way you evolve as a human and a creative like I think is so cool is that you really do um, embrace and accept and acknowledge and move through these chapters of mm -hmm. your world and I think it's so easy for creatives to get stuck in yeah. one thing that they do and you seem to have figured out whatever the the code is <laughs> you've decoded literally how to get uh how to grow how to yeah, evolve how I to mean, move on I, I listen i appreciate you saying that but i think i think everybody has their own challenges especially when you get comfortable and i yeah i 1000 i mean when i stopped doing decoded i was i was pretty broken up about 
like what's going on in my life. I was going through so mm-hmm. many changes. Like I got a divorce. I ended yeah. that show. Like my dog died. Like it was just like just some minor things. Oh, happening. the universe was just like mm, we're just gonna shake things up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I remember my my reps being like. MTV wants to do another season of Decoded. And and I, in my heart, I wanted to do it. But I also was like, if I do another season of this, I'm going to be stuck doing this for the rest of my life. And I really yeah. don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to move on. And it was really, really scary. And I yeah. had a number of months where I was really worried. Like, have I made a gigantic mistake? Um, and it took me a few months to kind of push through that. And so I think for anybody who is comfortable doing one thing you kind of can't beat yourself up if you decide to stick with that thing mm-hmm. um it, it is it is scary to to change uh-huh. especially in a career like ours where there's no guarantees like I was yeah. not moving into a, a a job that was waiting for me I was kind of like waiting for the next job to come but it seems like you trusted some like deep intuition in you that even though everything was very scary and uncertain, that you had some sort of deep voice that spoke to you that was like, you cannot continue to do this <laughs> in probably many aspects of your yeah. world, which is why it's so wild when you look at like, you know, your Wikipedia or whatever, and you see now that you've written for the Oscars and you've <laughs> written on the iCarly like yeah. reboot and yeah. that you're acting in NBC Superstore, that like all yeah. of these new blossoming things have happened from this. So, okay, talk to me. Yeah. We, we go through this very difficult time, but trusting that you have like the resilience to, you know, and the creative, uh, you know, stuff to to do whatever else it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. How how do you get into a situation like writing for the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's a, oh man. I'm just going to add a caveat that the explanation yes. of the story sounds so like, like I'm hearing myself say it and I realize it sounds ridiculous. But <laughs> um, I wrote for Black Girls Rock on mm-hmm. BET, uh, which was hosted by Tracy Ellis Ross. And I got that job because Tracy Ellis Ross watched my YouTube channel and like reached out to me and we became friends. And then she asked if I would write for her and um, the choreographer for her opening number at the BET awards was also Janelle Monae's choreographer. And so Janelle Monae was going to be opening the Oscars and uh, they had a writing team and there were no black people on the writing team. And so, um, Janelle Monet was like, this is ridiculous. Like we need some black people mm-hmm. on this team. And Jamel, who is her choreographer was like, I know someone. And so he DM'd me and was like, Hey, I'm working on this project. I can't really put in writing what it is, but I would love for you to work on it. Um, and I was at the airport in Puerto Rico. My plane had been delayed for, I don't even know how many hours. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk now? And so we got on the phone and he's like, I'm working for Janelle Monet with the Oscars. And I was just like, yes. I, he didn't even finish. I was just like, yes, mm-hmm, yep. absolutely. <laughs> and he was like, do you know if you can do the dance? I was like, I don't know if I could do the dates, but I, I'll do it. Like, I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was like, I'm flying back to New York. I This is pre-COVID, but I yep. was like, we can get on Zoom. We, I used Zoom all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent me over the song and basically they were doing a... Um, an adaptation of one of her songs, but to talk about all of the uh, nominees. And I did a lot of parodies on YouTube. Yep. So I was like, yeah, this is totally up my alley. 
And uh, it was a lot of Zoom. It was a lot of like me sending voice notes of like me singing the lyrics and being like, you could do it like this or you could do it like this. Um, it was really, it's still very surreal. And then, yeah, I got, I was in LA already for work. So I stayed a little extra so I could go to the Oscars. And um, it was, it was wild. I still can't believe I did it. That's, I mean, and to do it in the most kind of like disjointed of, I, I guess no creative process is ever, you know, similar to another one, but still no. that sounds like the most chaotic. It was just like late night. Well, and of course I was in New York and they were in LA. So I would get these late night texts that were just like, hey, can you turn this around right now? And I would just have to say, sure, I'll, I'll get up and I will open yeah. my laptop and I'll figure it out. Um, but it was, it was really wonderful. Janelle is such a professional. She has such a unique and clear vision. She works so, so hard and it was really, really inspiring to just kind of watch her from my perspective, not being there in person during all the rehearsals and the costumes and all that stuff. And then seeing it actually happen and realize like, wow, she had a vision for this way before I knew what this was going to be. And so that was, that was really cool. That's amazing. Um, and then you also work on the iCarly reboot, yeah. which some might say is the Oscars of the Disney <laughs> Channel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I was a co-producer and, and writer on the first season of the reboot. That's, I mean, and this is, uh, Mamer and I had kind of talked to you about this on our other podcast, mm-hmm. but it seemed at that time, because now it's out in the world, and I don't yeah. think it was out in the world at that no, time yet. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and knowing that your background in new media and in, you know, YouTube and all of that, you got to infuse that into, you know, her grown up in the world. How has that been now that that project's out in the world? Um, you know, I have to admit it was kind of nerve wracking because the audience for that show is really, really intense. Like they they go so hard and it's, (laughs) It's interesting because sometimes I for sometimes I forget that I am an older person, <laughs> and things yep, will so happen. I'm, and I'm like, damn, I'm old because I don't get this thing. But <laughs> I was in college when iCarly came out, and so mm. I did was I did not watch the show. Uh, there are 300 episodes of it, um, and so in order to you know get caught up to speed, I would just kind of like watch a random one out of yeah. order. Um, and so there were a lot of people who this show was a part of their formative years. And, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people right now are getting burnt out on reboots. And so there were a lot of people that were just like, why are they rebooting everything? And this sucks, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. there was felt like a lot of pressure to yeah. get it right for, for these folks. Um, that said, I think we did a really good job of staying true to the original, but also aging up and kind of bringing in some new characters and some more adult themes that the original series could never tackle. Sure. Um, And I'm really, really proud of it. And I think the response overall was so positive. I mean, it's the biggest show on Paramount Plus in their history, which is pretty amazing. Um, (laughs) Not a a very simple sentence. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really big deal. You know, we got renewed for a second season. and, um, And I think that people are... I'm not working on the second season because I have some other projects that I really wanted to focus on, but I'm still friends with the showrunner and and one of my best girlfriends is a writer on the show. Um, and, and I'm still very close with Lacey and I have heard so much exciting things about the next season. And oh, I think cool. people are going to be really impressed. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. All of it is very exciting. Okay. I have to take a quick break. 
Um, when we get back, we have more exciting things to talk about, uh, including but not limited to Flex, yes. uh, your dog, <laughs> and also the absolute beautiful interior design that you're doing on your apartment. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here. Wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store or the App Store and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good? Bad? Otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. All right, we're back in Francesca. Um, I gotta know about the relationship with Flex. Mm. This is your sweet, sweet pup. My man. Uh, yeah, you know, Flex and I, we've had a journey. I got him during the pandemic. He is a pandemic okay. pup. And uh, at first he was very mean. And I think, feel, I feel like you'll empathize. Yeah, you know, Goose still very has, mean. You know, you've had yep. challenges with Goose. And um, we've really worked through them, which I'm so thankful for. I'm, I was, at first I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, did I make a mistake? And uh, it, it took him about like a week and then he really started to warm up and he still has a ways to go. I think because I got him during the pandemic, like he sure. gets really turned up if I have guests, like, cause I never have guests. <laughs> you know, to um, be honest, I'm that really way wonderful. now too. Uh, if people come over to my house, I <laughs> yes. go from zero to 60 very quickly. So <laughs> yeah, uh, same, same. So, um, yeah, he's doing really great. He's super funny. He has so much personality. Um, I've always had dogs, but he is very strange. He's he's kind of like a too cool teenager. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he he like acts like he hates me, but then he like climbs in bed with me and he's like, I love you so much. And I'm like, oh, my baby. Yeah. He can't show his friends how much he loves his mom. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but you've also, okay, not only have you gotten a pandemic pup, but you also made the big shift from New York to Los Angeles. I did. Um, which is crazy because I guess I assume that you've already like lived out here, but I guess you've just been visiting back and forth between yeah, New York. I was here a lot for work. Um, in 2019, I was here six months out of the year. And okay. then even in 2020, I was here six months out of the year. Um, and that was a big part of what like pushed me to just like pull the, you know, yeah. rip the bandaid and just do it. Uh, plus the pandemic, like the quality of life here, if I'm going to be locked down all day is just a lot better for me. Very true. I also feel like you're the kind of person in knowing that you you show off your habit tracker and you are very you're very um, just conscientious of the decisions that you make. And it, it's very inspiring as someone that, you know, uh, shoots from the hip constantly, <laughs> but desires to be someone that is much more thoughtful and present. Uh, it's a double edged sword. I overthink everything. I love a plan. I love a checklist. <laughs> right. But so talk, cause you, you, you've shown and kind of, um, given light to the, the habit tracker, which mm-hmm. I don't know if people are familiar with that. Yeah. I may, I've been doing, I've been doing this habit tracker thing for about three years, mm-hmm. um, where every month I make a little grid that has, uh, the numbers for every day of the month, um, into little sections with different habits. And then, um, I 
color them in with the corresponding day of the month if I complete that habit. So most recently, I've been sticking with the same things because it's been working for me. Sure. Um, 10,000 steps a day, working mm. out, writing, auditions, um, and then meal prep. I'm really trying to cook more. So Ooh. Um, that's been my newest habit that I've incorporated into my tracker. But I, I think that's great because I think, I wonder if people sometimes kind of like um, misconnect the idea of hobby versus habit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to get into cooking when really it's like, I want to prep meals more consistently for myself and being able to like look at it that way might be a little bit more effective for people. Yeah. I mean, I think especially amidst the pandemic, for me, it it is a lot about like how my brain works and I Mm -hmm. uh, struggle with anxiety. And so especially because I'm in a field where so much is out of my control, being able to to say like, these are things I'm going to accomplish, big or small, really helps me. And then I'm able to look back on it at the end of the month. And even though I've had days where I'm like, oh, today was a wash. I can look Mm -hmm. and say, but I've actually had a really good month. I've done a lot. And so that's why if it's something as small as reading, there was a time that I had reading on my habit tracker and I did not read a lot. So (laughs) I took it off. But you can put whatever you want on it. Um, (laughs) Know your boundaries. Don't set yourself up for failure. I know. I'm with you that it's like all these things that I I I have a knitting thing that I've been staring at for a year and a half. And I'm just hurting myself by keeping that near me. I'm not encouraging myself at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But also it feels like with all that, you've really made your apartment like a home for yourself. Your TikTok especially and your Instagram has been, oh, it's so beautiful and like joyous to watch you work. Uh, For anyone that doesn't follow you, they need to because it's just like this comforting hypnotism of watching you paint walls, design out like projects and then like do them to fruition. No, thank you. Yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, I've always been really crafty. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I went to school for graphic design, but I was always painting and drawing and um, crocheting. And just I just love making things with my hands. And I think especially because I'm doing so much work as a writer where so much of the creative process is by committee. Um, Mm. Like whether you're in a writer's room with 14 people or you've got, you know, I'm working on a project where we've got 10 producers. I love them. They're wonderful. But 10 people are weighing in on everything. And it can be demoralizing at times because you get excited about something and then that thing just, you know, changes. And by the end, it's something totally different. And so for me, painting my apartment has been and, and even journaling and habit tracking and all the other stuff has been a way for me to be creative where I don't have any deadlines. I don't have notes um, and it's not about anyone else. And if I don't complete it or I'm not happy, like there's really no consequence. I can just paint over or you know, try again. Yeah. And it's a total, I mean, I imagine it's a different side of your brain that truly it's, yeah, a committee of one. It's just you, you decide, you mm-hmm. have the initial idea, you have the follow through and then you get to be the studio exec going, that yes. looks great. <laughs> yeah. I'm like straight to series. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Francesca, I have to get into now the two questions I ask every single guest mm-hmm. that is on the podcast with us. Um, and the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? 
Ooh. Um, <laughs> and we caveat this with the idea that this is a, an answer that changes hourly, minute yeah. by minute, daily, okay. whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be negative inherently. It can be. Um, but it can also be celebratory. It's whatever you yeah, want. It could be someone that's into getting cold spaghetti. Like, like that could be their kink. Totally. Yeah. And I don't want to, I never want to kink shame. <laughs> um, I, you know, I can't think of anyone that would be into it. Uh, but someone that I don't like, you know what? I'm going to say Christopher Columbus. Cause I think yeah. 365 days a year, we can say like F Columbus. Yep. So I'll throw cold spaghetti on him. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. I'd love for that to be in the history books. Yes. Uh, okay. The other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or like Ooh. a bathroom emergency situation. But you can only use three words or small phrases to describe the event. So, oh, for okay. For example, mine is college jogging front lawn. Okay. Um, mine is <laughs> leggings. Really, really good leggings. Oh, that <laughs> tells you how bad that is. Um, really good leggings. Um, oh my god. Uh, uh, ordering takeout. Yeah. Yep. 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 And um, winter. Winter. Oh. Yeah, winter is I mean, coming. That's all you need to. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I know. I feel like anyone that's lived in New York City uh, for an extended period of time automatically has some kind of story <laughs> of a bathroom emergency. Yeah, you try a new place <laughs> and you never go back. Um, okay, now we have a section of the podcast that we've introduced this season called "Deep and Hot," where mm. I'm going to ask you a deep question that we have prepared for you and ask you for a hot take on Ooh. kind of like a question subject that we have okay. prepared for you. Okay. Um, so here's your deep question. You can mm -hmm. get as deep or as not deep as you want to. Okay. Do you think that we are too obsessed with labeling ourselves or is it important in knowing who we really are? Ooh, um, I don't think we're too obsessed. I think it's really cool that we're in a time that there are so many different ways to talk about identity that more people feel represented. Yeah. I think that all these different identities have always existed. We just didn't always have names for them. Yeah. Um, and I also think that especially when it comes to finding community, it's really amazing that there are so many different communities that you can find yourself to be a part of especially right now in a pandemic where yeah. people are very lonely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm all for labeling yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, community and communication, I feel like it facilitates an ability to like talk about yourself to other people that understand that level of communication in some yes. capacity. Yeah. 100%. Um, I love that. Okay. Now I'm going to ask for a hot take mm. and this is kind of in general to um, addressing hate online that you might mm -hmm. get. Um, it's kind of like a two part thing. Do you think that there is a necessary time, place or an emotional state of well-being to be considered when you decide to address hate? And or um, do you think ignoring hate that you get is helpful or hurtful overall? Mm, mm, okay, here's a hot take. 
Yeah. I don't think because <laughs> I, I feel I like have, you you handle I this have so to well. Say. I know you handle this so well, and I'm always so like, oh, she just has this effortlessness, and I'm sure behind the scenes it's different than what I perceive it to be. But oh. yeah, I'm curious your oh, yeah. your thoughts on it. <laughs> Okay. My first hot take is I think a lot of things are labeled hate that are not hate. Okay. I think a lot of people are quick to say, oh, I'm getting a lot of hate when people don't like something that they said or Mm -hmm. don't like an outfit or, or, you know, they actually say like, hey, that thing that you said was really sexist or was really racist or whatever. And the people are like, I'm getting so much hate. It's like, that's not hate. That's constructive criticism or like feedback that you just don't agree with. Um, versus like harassment and bullying, which is a real thing. Um, As for, is there a time and place to handle it? I think that's a little harder because it's one of those things where on the outside looking in, even as someone that has dealt with it, it's really easy to give people advice on how they should deal with something that I'm not at the time dealing with. Yeah, And so I really try to take a step back so I don't have a knee-jerk reaction and say something that I, I maybe can't take back, even if it's justified in, you know, my anger or clapping back. I try to give myself a moment to process um, and then kind of weigh the pros and cons for myself. Like, what is the reason that I'm answering this? Is it purely cathartic? Is there mm. something that my audience can learn from? Um, am I drawing attention to an issue that maybe the platform's not handling appropriately? Yeah. Um, or do I have a really funny joke <laughs> And like, that's the reason that I'm responding to this. Or is this a time that I'm going to flex? Like, because sometimes, sometimes you need that too. You yeah. know, where someone says something shitty and you're like, actually, I just sold a pilot. Like, yeah. and I need, and I need to say that today because it's going to make me feel better. So I, I think everybody has to figure out the way best to handle it. But I will say calling myself out, I think you can focus on it too much. Mm. And there were times in my life where I did focus on it too much and it was Mm -hmm. a distraction Mm. and people are going to think and say whatever they're going to say and you can't control that. And so if your goal is to just continue making the best stuff possible, the things that make you happy, I think you should go for that and not preemptively cut yourself off because of what someone might say or might think. Mm. Um, But you know haters gonna hate whatever there's not much you could do about it and most of them are fans like yeah they just they rarely want attention in some capacity but i think that is so it speaks to the overarching thing i think of like zooming out kind of like mm-hmm. what you're saying on like it's so easy to fixate very like close up on someone's thing that triggers you in some way and oh, then yeah. when you zoom out on to like what is the actual dialogue i want to have here what is the benefit or the negative effects of this for me, the platform, this person? Um, and how do like, I can't take this back if I put this out there. So yeah. will I feel good about this tomorrow? <laughs> will I feel okay about this later. It's hard too because we are often the most vocal about things that we don't like um, versus yeah. things that we do like. I always use the analogy totally. of you know, nobody goes on Yelp and is like, loved this place. The salad is great. No, you, you go on Yelp to say the service is bad and, yeah. and you know, whatever you, you're mad at the hostess or something. Right. Yeah. And so when it happens to you, it's like you're blocking out all the positive things people are saying and you're focusing on this one negative person. You're kind yeah. of doing a disservice to your audience who loves you and wants that attention. And instead you're giving the attention to the shitty person. So I try to balance it out of like, okay, if I'm going to respond or highlight a shitty comment, I'm going to respond to like 
10 positive comments. Oh, that's So that nice. I'm not making, you know, my whole feed or I'm not letting this one negative thing consume me. I'm reminding myself how many people still enjoy me and enjoy my work. That's very, yeah, I think that's wonderful to remind yourself to do of just the balance of all of it. Because when yeah. you become, and also too, I think, you know, people can focus on hate without actually um, responding to it. Mm -hmm. So even behind the scenes, if you're not someone that is, you know, clapping back or doing whatever, it's still worth your time to like, do some introspection of why am I focusing on this one comment versus everything else? And is there a way that I can like, you know, un uh, untangle this for myself? Yeah. And also making sure that you have a community of people who will be honest with you no matter what, because yeah. sometimes even even if like the package is bad and someone's like cursing at you and calling you names or whatever, sometimes mm. if you're seeing like there's a common theme in the comments that I'm getting, mm. like, did I miss the mark here? Like, did I fuck up? Did I not know that this word that I used was inappropriate or something like that? You sure. want to make sure that there are people in your circle who are going to be like, mm, yeah, girl, you did fuck up. Because if everybody around you was like, you're the best, yes, slay, drag them, like, you, yeah, that's you're disillusionment. going to miss the times you screw up and everyone's human. Like, yep. you're going to screw up eventually. It's it's inevitable. Um, but that's why I think that like zooming out and stepping back is really important because when you're super close to it, it can feel like, you know, people are ganging up on you and, and everyone hates you. But then sometimes you zoom out and you're like, oh, this is like five people or oh, crap. They're right. I did mess up. They actually have a point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a different way to think about this. Do you follow anyone or have any like, uh, for lack of a better term, like self care kind of like uh, stuff that you you do? Do you follow any like self help people or anything like that? Um, I don't really follow self help people, but I, for my own mental health, like I mute people pretty liberally. Hell yeah! Like even Hell people yeah. that I like, I'm like, uh, yeah. you're having a good month, girl. You gotta go. <laughs> I am so proud of you, and I will see you when I see you. Yeah. Life is good, and I don't want to fucking hear about it. Um, so yeah. I mute, I mute a lot of people. Um, and then I also like I we talked about this before, but I take long social media breaks when I yeah. need to, um, and that's been really helpful for me. And I also follow a lot of people that don't talk about politics or mm. like world events like mm -hmm. I follow a lot of art people and, yep. and right now because I've been designing my apartment like a lot of home decor folks and for me that feels really like a, just a time to turn my brain off mm -hmm. and not think about work not think about the fact that we're going <sighs> through you know a traumatic yep. <laughs> world event yeah I know um, I don't want to yeah. think about the long-term psychological consequences of children nope. and uh, adults in what we've uh, we are still in no. right now. But yeah, yeah, there's a there's a different nourishment to the brain that happens when you just look at art and mm -hmm. like things that are oh, just yeah. And I, I actually um, just started taking a printmaking class at an <gasps> art studio. Cool. And oh my gosh, like I um like I had my second class last night and I almost cried because I was just so happy. They were like, are you okay? Like, is she going through it? And I was like, I love this so much. They're like, why? It was just so creative. Like it just was so cathartic and there was no way to mess it up. Right. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just so fun. Um, And I highly recommend finding something that just tickles a different part of your brain um, 
And and it's something that like I don't have to post this on the internet. No one has to see it. It's oh, something totally that's just, just for, for you. Me. Imagine it's just that. For me. Matt, in I the know. world that we live in where everything if you haven't posted it it doesn't exist yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's nice to have stuff that's just for you um, 100 i'm gonna marinate on that for a bit uh, <laughs> we're gonna take one last break when we get back we have a question sent in by a listener that they need some gentle guidance on that you and i can work together to provide that so we'll be right back with more not too deep Okay, Francesca, we are into the last little bit of this podcast. And as always, I want to talk to you for seven more hours and get every (laughs) single thing that you're doing and write it down and get every Amazon shopping list that you can recommend me for all of the best hacks. Um, Okay, so... We kind of talked about this already. This is a question that someone's emailed in. Um, I actually have two questions. This one we've talked about already. It's more general. Um, this per- this listener writes, I need motivation. Where do I get it, find it, and then manage to keep it when I get it? Mm. Yeah, you know, I think it's can feel really overwhelming when you look at a project or a goal and you see like how big it is. I yes, really like you just posted a down. You posted a TikTok about this. And yes. I wrote down goals you can control, which I thought yes. was just like great phrase that again, follow her TikTok, guys. Uh <laughs> it, can you uh yeah, expand on this? Yeah, yeah. This has been really like life altering for me. Um, you know, you think about, okay, you want to win an Oscar someday, or you know, you wanna have a mansion or you know, be a best-selling author. Like these are giant goals that are totally things that you should shoot for, but in the day-to-day, you cannot control. They might yeah. happen, they might not happen. You know, yep. there are a lot of talented, successful people that don't have the um, measures of success that everybody else decides that they should have. Mm-hmm. So instead, what I've tried to do is instead of thinking, okay, here's a big thing that I have to wait for someone to give me this opportunity. I have to wait for the stars to align what can I control right now? And so, I, you know, I'd love to win an Oscar. I'd love to win an Emmy. I can't control that, but I can write three or to five pages a day on the mm. script that I'm working on. You know, I could take yeah. a, a writing class. I can start a writing group with my friends. I can read more. I can, you know, I can watch films or shows in different genres, whatever it might be. And so maybe finding the motivation um, is a matter of you reframing what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, listen to yourself, right? If, so, if you're struggling with a thing, maybe that thing's not for you. If you've been mm. killing yourself, like, oh my God, I want to play piano. And it's like, yep. you bought the piano and you, you still haven't played it. It's collecting dust. It's like, maybe you're not meant to play piano. And that is Okay, you know, yes. I think like we're we could be so hard on ourselves. I have to be an amazing cook. I have to, you know, run a marathon. I have to do all these things. It's like you really don't. If yeah. if if that's not speaking to you, like try something else or look at the things that are speaking to you and how can you you know, pour more time into those things? How can yep. you find different ways to incorporate it into your life? How can you bring your friends and family into that thing? Um, those are all things that you can control. 
Um, I think that, like I said, has been really, really helpful for me. Huge, 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 huge to understand. And uh, like, I, I love that so much because it is so easy to think big picture because that's maybe all people recognize at first. And then like you can say, I'm mm-hmm. going to drive to Florida from California. But that doesn't just happen by you getting in your car. You have to no. be in your car, see if it has gas, figure mm-hmm. out where you're going to stop for the night. How long do you want to drive for it? So there's all these steps that you have to consider before you get to like that big goal, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think, such a major, major um, importance of like what you're saying, listening and like to the unconscious part of you that's speaking, yeah. whether if you buy a piano and it's collecting dust and you're not playing it, the most successful thing you can do is recognize that that's not something that you should do. Yes, you're going to hit up that Facebook marketplace and sell <laughs> that piano. Yeah, make some money off of this thing that's only going to torment you by thinking yes. you should do that. Yes, and don't beat yourself up over it. Everybody can't do all of the things. And I think... right. As just getting older, that has been a huge eye opener for me of just being kinder to myself. Like, and that's that's where the habit tracker really came out of. It's like if I only do one thing on this tracker today, like I did mm-hmm. something. It's better yeah. than nothing. Yeah. Um, I can't be, you know, hashtag productive all the time. <laughs> and that's totally I, okay. Yeah. I do wonder if you feel this way. I feel like there. I don't know if we're still in it or whoever's still in it, that there was this era of like hustle culture of just like to get where you want to mm. go. And, and, and I think it was also, you know, a partnership with the advent of like internet and social media, like as jobs that you could work 24 hours a day if you want to. And a lot of people will say oh, yeah. that they get success based on this, like, you know, I'm a boss kind of like scenario. But now I feel like, yeah, that's not sustainable in like a healthy mental health capacity. You could probably have a lot of great no. accolades on paper, but like, how do you feel about yourself? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one thousand percent. I was totally guilty of that. I went through Same. a phase where yeah. I was like, no days off, and yes. I work out all the time, and I wake up at six a.m. and I do all this stuff, and. I mean, you're right. Okay, you can have all this great stuff on paper, but like then you're tired and you yes. don't actually have any meaningful connections and you look around and you realize like, oh, I have done all this stuff, but like the quality of time that I have yeah. on this earth is not fun. It's yep. just filled with events and accolades and and you know, things I can post on Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think we're in a time I think Again, especially because of the pandemic where people are really reassessing what's important to them, um, whether it be what job they're in or how far away they are from their family or their health um, or their career. I think that's a, a really powerful thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't take the awards in th- with you when you die. Right? <laughs> like, What can you take? You can take like the memories and the people that you love and care about. And so investing yeah. in that stuff, I think, is is super important versus making your entire existence and happiness about career and, you know, I don't know, having a six pack or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I still would like, a, I mean, I, I would like a six pack, but I feel <laughs> I'm like, okay without it. <laughs> I feel like you only get more uh, gorgeous inside now every year that there's no stopping you at this point. So get ready world. Um, oh my God. <laughs> 
I'm not even gonna get to the other question. I'll save it for a different time because I feel like you've already given so much like wise uh, oh. advice this whole episode and we appreciate it so much. Um, before we wrap up completely, we like to give our guest a, a token of appreciation for their time spent with us. And that mm. is a personalized horoscope from us to you. Melissa has put it in the Ooh. chat for you. Um, okay. And if you would read it aloud, that would be wonderful. Okay. Dear Sagittarius, Archer of the Stars, the new moon is in Scorpio. It's the perfect time to spend a night in for some self-care. You're welcome to a spirit replenishing season of meditating, journaling, oh, and dealing with the fact full on that with old age comes increased hotness. It's so weird, but you're somehow hotter than ever, which seemed impossible. Happy almost birthday. Oh, this was this was true for me. <laughs> it was. It's in the stars. <laughs> it's out there. Uh this has been so lovely to talk to you. Oh, yeah. It's been so good. Can you hint at anything you are working on in the future? Or is that kind of all will reveal itself in due time? I Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to finish these pilots. On time. I get you. I get you. Yeah. In, the, in the meantime, where can people find you on TikTok, online, anywhere you mm. want them to if they don't already know? Yeah, uh, you can find me across social media as Cheska Lee, C-H-E-S-C-A-L-E-I-G-H, except on TikTok. There is a oh. there is a Cheska Lee. On TikTok, I'm Francesca Lee. Okay. Um, uh, yes, and I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm all the places. I begrudgingly joined TikTok and now I love it. So I feel I know that's why I'm like, I wish I had more time to talk to you because I'm like, tell me about how I, I get so nervous about TikTok all the time. Uh, oh, it's stressful. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like I've been on internet for so long, but for some reason it feels like it's a totally different territory. It's totally different. It makes it's totally me different. very insecure. <laughs> I feel like I'm not in on any of the joke, any sound cue I even try it's, to you know use, what, I'm confused by. <laughs> I'm going to see the same thing that I said to the listener letter. If yeah. it's not for you, it's not for you that's, that's okay that's you're true. crushing it on at like you have a million plus <laughs> on every platform like if you're not crushing it on tiktok you're gonna be fine i promise you it's a, it's a fear of the unknown uh <laughs> francesca this has been so lovely thank you so much for the conversation oh. go follow her on all of the things because you're gonna get a little bit of everything mm. and uh thank you guys for listening and watching we'll see you next time on another episode of not too deep goodbye too deep, too deep, too deep, not too deep. Was Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs>